0: We talking hoops season two, let's go. What up, doe? It's your coach who talks hoops the most. It's Coach Cam with the podcast flow. Jump shot is still wet and the podcast goes. Talking hoops all day, worldwide, across the globe, overseas to the league. Big 10 to the Gleeck, AU to high school and any gym that he at. Highlights, offers, who's about to transfer? Was coach getting hired? Coach Cam's got the answer. He's that dude, too cool, so smooth with the hoop news Every week we talking hoops, this is season two. So buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do. Cause we talking hoops, yeah. It's your coach that knows who's the most. We talking hoops, baby. This is episode five, coming at you live. Last episode of 2019. You know we got to end the year off right, man, while we talking hoops. So we got to talk NBA. We going to talk college. And we going to try to understand, you know, some of the best teams in in a decade or whatever. And we're talking high school. Uh, Best players, rather. Uh, Because I saw some lists going out of some players. And we going to figure out who's my... The last decade, who's was the top 10 15 guy. Who's my all decade team in high school? You know, so with this being the last episode of 2019, I want to thank all of my listeners. Uh, I actually ran into one of my listeners today while I was covering a high school game, had my son out, went out and watched out the the Motor City Roundball Classic at Ferndale High School. And and it was cool. It was cool. Was was able to watch a few games. And just me and being able to, to watch the games. My son was cool. He all over the place. He all in the stands. He's throwing his ball. He, he going crazy. But the best part was having, you know, a friend of mine I went to, to college with come up to me and like, you know what? It's like, I'm tuned in, man. I listen every week. You know, so shout out my guy, Mike. That's over there at Loyola doing th- good things with the Bulldogs over there. I, I saw them get a win. We're going to talk about them in our high school segment. So shout out to my guy, Mike, man. He just came up and said, man, I, I listen to you every week and just keep the podcast coming because it's positive and I like what you're doing. So when I run into listeners, I always feel a different way about getting the podcast out. And when I heard that, I was like, all right, so I got to get in the lab right quick, which means I got to get in my car, you know, right after our little coaches meeting. And I got to record this podcast for my listeners, man. Even if it's just one person listening that listens to it every week, I'm going to give you the content that you've been looking for for the past week. So We back, man. This is the last episode of 2019, tomorrow's New Year's Eve. I ain't got no plans. I ain't going out with wifey. I got to work. You know, ain't too much basketball going on. Uh, All the basketball's been played between the 27th and 30th, uh, so we can bring in the new year another way. So I'm glad you guys are listening. Uh, No video this week. I didn't didn't freak it and, and do all that this week. Keeping it simple, going back to my roots, which means I'm back in the driver's seat in my car late night, giving you... The best hoop talk that you're going to find in the Midwest, baby. So let's get right to it, man. Let's get right to it. Let's talk about the NBA. And when I want to talk about the NBA, there was only one one big time day that came into recently. What I really want to cover for the NBA And that's the NBA on Christmas. So on Christmas, you get the opportunity to open gifts. You get the opportunity to chill with family, get some good food. But for me, a hoop head like me was really looking forward to the five games that's being played. Because I appreciate basketball on Christmas way more than I appreciate football on Thanksgiving. And part of that is because you got to watch the Lions play. Got to watch Dallas play. You got to watch some of these traditional teams play football on Thanksgiving. And it's not a bunch of great matchups. It's just some teams that traditionally been good that ain't really good right now when they needed to just switch it up. Like, I would have loved to watch the Ravens play the Chiefs. Give me, yeah, give me Lamar Jackson and company. Yeah, give me that game. But they ain't playing that on, on, on Thanksgiving. I'm getting the Lions playing the Bears or somebody like that. So, like, man, whatever. You know what I'm saying? So, NBA on Christmas, big-time matchups. You know what I'm saying? You got the Clippers going against the Lakers. The battle with the Staples Center is going on at 8 o'clock. The night cap. You have the 76ers playing the Bucks. You have the Celtics. You know what I'm saying? Like, you had some really good matchups. The Celtics playing the Raptors. Now, a couple games was, eh, you had the Warriors playing the Rockets. Traditionally, that would have been a good game. If you got Clay, you got Steph, good game. No Clay, no Steph, not a good game. But we're going to talk about what happened here in a second. And then you also had New Orleans. Uh, I'm not trying to see them play Denver, but it's a nightcap. It's a 10 o'clock game. I mean, by about, about that time... You know, already ate your three plates. You know, already got your good place on the couch. You good. Now I get just all right. I'm just gonna go watch this game before I go to sleep. And that's basically what happened to me. I ended up watching the third quarter. I went to sleep. Woke up, found out that the Pelicans guy's done. I'm like, dang, New Orleans got it done like that. But NBA on Christmas. So we're gonna start from the top. We're gonna start with the Celtics playing the 76ers and The Celtics look good, man. They got everybody back healthy. They got Kimba back. They got uh, Gordon Hayward. They're back. And Jalen Brown went off. Jalen Brown and Kimba went crazy. They combined for 10 made threes. In the game, Jalen Brown scores thirty-one. And here's the thing about the Celtics: it's like they trade in games on whether guys gonna get off or not. So one game is Jalen Brown getting off. The next game is Jason Tatum getting off. The next game is Kimball Walker getting off. The next game is Hayward getting off. And they just rotate. You know what I'm saying? So that's the thing about the Celtics. And now they're back in number two. The number two seed in the East. They back. They back up there. They back up there. I told you when them guys get healthy, man. I'm go. I'm rolling with the Celtics out of the East. I'm telling you right now, December 30th, 2019, I'm rolling with the Celtics because they got too much firepower. Now, the thing about that is if they fall in the two seed, that means they're going to either dodge the Sixers or they're going to dodge the Raptors. And I think the Raptors are in them going to be in like four or five. I mean, they, they fail. They failed there. So uh, I really like what the Celtics are doing now that they're healthy. And on this Christmas day, You saw Kimball Walker with the step back going crazy. You saw Jalen Brown in transition. Euro right to left, finish, and what I mean, Jalen Brown was a very good pick for the Celtics. Very good pick. Because he's very complimentary to Jason Tatum. I mean, they got the wings. They got the guard play. The only thing that's going to stop the Celtics is their inside play. And I've been saying that all season. Is that inside play is going to come up and, and bite them in the bullet. They're going to miss Al Horford. But, I mean, the Celtics have been playing really good basketball, and they were able to take care of the Raptors 118-102. to 102. So the second game, you get the 76ers and the Bucks. So you got the Greek Freak. You got Joel Embiid. You got Ben Simmons. You got Chris Middleton. You got some high-level players. And this is a matchup you can potentially see in the Eastern Semifinals this year year. Okay, you're probably gonna see these two teams play in the semifinals this year. And I'm gonna tell you like this the Bucks have been going crazy. The Bucks have the best record in the East. Matter of fact, they have the best record in the NBA. They're 30 and 5. Let me tell you what one of them losses is. One of them losses came on Christmas. And one of them losses came to the Philadelphia 76ers who set a team record and making 21 threes in a game, I want you guys to multiply 21 times three. That's 63 points. I think that's 63. Yeah, my math is pretty good. That is 63 points, just off of made threes. We ain't talking free throws. We ain't talking layups. We ain't talking mid range. We're talking just the three point line. 63 points. And when they're shooting it like that, Joel and B, he goes off for 31 and 11. I mean, the Sixers were rolling. The Sixers were rolling, and I've been tough on Ben Simmons, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna downplay my talk on Ben Simmons and basically saying he's haven't been having a good year. He's been solid. He just been having. He's not having a great scoring year, but he's still filling up the box score. In this game, he had 18, 14, and seven. So when you look at the 18, you're like man, he ain't getting 25. He ain't getting 30. But, I mean, 18 to 20 is still pretty good. So Ben Simmons is a really good player still. He's not making the three, but he's making the mid-range stuff. They're running specific sets for him in the mid-post, coming off of these short down screens, and it's pretty effective. But the thing about the Sixers and the Bucks that I thought was very interesting, they had Joel Embiid guarding the Greek Freak, and the Greek Freak had some problems. The Greek Freak struggled with Embiid's length, he couldn't finish at the basket as he normally would. He couldn't wiggle around him. The Joel Embiid might be the Greek Freak's kryptonite because the Greek Freak only had 23, 23 points. Greek Freak had 23 points. Now, matter of fact, he didn't even have 23. He had 18 points and 14 rebounds. He was 0 for 7 for 3. So when you watch the game that he played against the Lakers, when he went absolute crazy against the Lakers, and he goes 4 for 6 from 3, and he comes right back, and he goes oh for 7. I tried to tell you he wasn't consistent from 3. I don't know why you guys think that the Greek freak can now can make a 3 consistently. No, he cannot. One day he's going to go crazy like he did against the Lakers. He went crazy. I think he made 5 out of seven threes. The threes he didn't make, people was looking like, man, you're not supposed to make that. But the thing about the Greek freak is he's not consistent. Yeah, you go 4 for 7, 5 for 7 from 3, and then the next game, you come here, showtime, playing the, playing the 76ers, 0 for 7 from 3, 8 for 27 from the field, and Joel Embiid locked his ass down, excuse my French, but he clamped him down, he blocked him a couple times, stole it from him a couple times, that's a matchup right there, that's a great matchup, because Joel Embiid is athletic enough, so he can, he can stay in front of the Greek freak, and if he ain't making the 3, he ain't getting to the rim against him either, so was good to see the 76ers rolling, they had six guys in double figures. Tobias Harris has 21. I told you Ben Simmons, he got crazy for 18. Richardson went off for about 21 as well. So they, they got a lot of production. The Bucs didn't get a whole lot of production out of the Greek freak. He struggled from the floor. Chris Middleton had a very good game. He had 31 points. But other than that, that was about it. And when the 76ers are rolling, they making threes like that, they're going to be tough to beat at home. And they played in Philly. So they're going to be tough to beat at home. But this is one of those those series, if it goes seven, it's going to come down to the very last possession. It's going to come down to coaching. Under four points, i always say it's coaching. It's going to come down to that game seven, adjustments, who's home, who's away. So the regular season is really going to matter to the Bucks and it's really going to matter to the 76ers, because it, it could be the difference between one team playing game seven at home and another team playing game seven away. And the only reason why the Raptors won, this past year, they played at home, and Kawhi Leonard hits the jumper falling away. Bink, 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 bink. That, if they're playing that game away, he does not make that shot. So having home court advantage is huge here in the NBA this year. So you had the 76ers over the Bucks. The next game, he had the Warriors playing Houston. Now, when you look at the lineup and you look at the injury, injuries that the Warriors have had, you're like, man, why am I watching this game? But it's basketball on Christmas, so of course you're going to watch it. But the Warriors was ready for all the smoke. They were playing at home. Come here, Harden. We're going to hold you under 30. We're going to hold you under 30, even though though Russell Westbrook might go off. He might go off and get 30, 35, 40. But what the other guy's going to do? Harden was shut down. He only had 24 points. He struggled. Russell Westbrook had 30, but that's only 54 points. So what them other guys is doing? Nothing. Capella had 10 points. So here's the thing about the Houston Rockets. You can let Harden go off. You can let Westbrook go off. But if you shut them other guys down, you're going to win. And that's exactly what the Warriors did, who's one of the worst teams in the NBA. They weren't the worst team on this night. Houston missed 35-3. Simple math. Three times 30 is 90. Three times five is 15. 15 plus 90. Is 105. So that's potentially 105 points. They could have scored from three that they did not. They missed 63 shots in the game. Houston shot 100 shots. 100 shots. They shot 37% from the field. So if Houston Rockets, if they ain't scoring, if they ain't making shots, that's how you beat them. And they're going to want to be one of those teams. They're going to be a three seed, and they're going to play a seven seed. And that seven seed might mess around and be, guess what, the Warriors. I'm telling you, the Warriors are going to make a run. I'm not saying they're going to be seven seed, because it looks like that's probably going to be the San Antonio Spurs or the Portland Trailblazers. Portland is probably going to be seven or eight. Now, the Warriors are probably going to make a run. I'm telling you right now, the Warriors are going to make a run, and they're going to make the playoffs. But they're only going to be the seventh or eighth seed. That is dangerous, because if they are the seventh seed and they have to play the Rockets, look out. Look out, because they didn't already beat them. They got, they got blueprint. They already know how to do it. They went some zone. They was doubling hard, and they made it tough for them. So shout out to the Warriors for getting it done against Houston. They beat Houston here on Christmas. Then you had the primetime event, the battle of Staples Center. You had the Clippers going against the Lakers. Oh, buddy, LeBron, P.G., Kawhi, AD, I mean you had two of the best tandems in the NBA going back and forth and the Clippers showed out. Kawhi Leonard quietly had 35 points, 12 rebounds, and 5 assists. That's me sipping my tea that ain't tea. But I'm going to tell you right there, with Kawhi going like that, the Clippers are hard to beat. PT ended up coming up with 17, Harrell at 18. For the Lakers, LeBron and AD was good, but they took way too many threes. They took way too many threes. They were four for 19 from three. LeBron himself was two for 12. LeBron, James, sir, you should not be shooting 12 threes, especially if you're only making two. Sorry, LeBron. But LeBron should never be shooting 12 threes in the game, especially when he's only making two. So those two guys combined, LeBron had 23, AD had 24. They didn't make shots. Kuhl's came up huge off the bench. He had 25. But the, the thing in this game came down to the clutch. It's tit for tat, wire to wire, possession after possession. And what I didn't like from the Lakers, the Lakers were down three. The Lakers are down three. It's 15 seconds ago. They call a timeout. They give LeBron the ball at the top of the key, and he calls for a ball screen. Guess who sets the ball screen? Alex Caruso. My man, if you don't get the hell out the way, why is LeBron calling for a ball screen from Alex Caruso? Guess who's guarding Alex Caruso? You guessed it, Patrick Bellavine. So now, what do you think the Clippers are going to do? They're going to switch. Gonna switch Pat Bev on LeBron. So now LeBron is trying to get off a three against one of the best defenders in the league. And guess what Pat Bev does? Oh, Mike Team. See, we used to call it Mike Team. When you go up for a shot and then the defenders slap it down, we used to call that Mike Team because Mike Jordan used to do that all the time. And Virg used to say, Oh, you just got Mike." So we used to call it all he mike team. He got Mike for the game. And not only did he get Mike, the ball went off his fingertips and it goes the other way. Now, that call totally bogus, totally bogus. You know that when you look at the tape, yeah, it might go off of LeBron, but like, come on, man. You know, Pat Beverly was trying to knock the ball away. You can't give the Clippers the ball and you basically giving them the game. And that's what happened. And Pat Beverly was talking a lot of trash, mad trash at the game. But I'm mad at LeBron calling for a ball screen from Alex Caruso when he easily could have called A.D. up there. He easily could have called Kuz up there. He easily could have called A.D., but you call Alex Caruso, who got Pet Bath guarding him, now he guarding you. Bad move. And the Lakers have dropped a few. They've dropped. They dropped three straight, even though they're still 6-4 and in the last 10, and they still have the second-best record in the NBA. But people are starting to figure them out now. They're starting to figure them out and how to to beat the Lakers. Now, LeBron, he's strength he's growing. So what are the Lakers going to do if LeBron has to miss some games? You saw what happened last year when LeBron had to sit down. The Lakers with T-R-A-S-H, they were on the curb. Trash. Trash. So what's going to happen this time? if LeBron doesn't play. Now, you got to start Rondo. Rondo bringing it up and throwing it to AD. They might struggle if he has to hear some time. And what I want to tell LeBron is, is LeBron, sit down, man. Sit down and chill out. I know you don't like load management, but for a guy that's in his 17-year, 35 years old, if don't nobody in the league need load management, you do. But it depends on, do you want the scoring championship or the NBA championship? If he really wants a ring, he wouldn't play a back-to-back. He wouldn't. He would take a couple games off. Because he should. He's 35. I don't know how he's playing at a high level at 35. I don't know how he's doing it. But LeBron needs to sit down somewhere before he costs his team the opportunity to win win an NBA championship because he's trying to catch Kareem. And the scoring title was going to take him another three years anyway. So, the Clippers prevailed. The Clippers showed... They're 2-0 in L.A., and they show the Lakers, like, look, this is our house. Y'all just renting it. That's basically what the Clippers are saying. Y'all renting it. We live here. Give me your rent at the first of the month. Other than that, if I got to tell you, you got to go, you got to go. And that's how the Clippers are playing against the Lakers right now, and they have one of the top three teams in the Western Conference. After that game, you have the Pelicans over the Nuggets. Normally, not a game that you're going to want to watch only reason that it was on and it was watching because you didn't had two or three plates you slept on on the couch and when you put basketball on you're not changing the channel so like for me when i turn basketball on the only time i change the channel is to another game and on a day like this the remote goes opposite. It don't matter i'm not changing the channel and the pelicans got a huge game from brandon ingram he pours in 31 and the Nuggets just took them for granted. They couldn't make shots. Shot thirty percent from the field. I mean, the, the Nuggets just really didn't look well on this Christmas day. Maybe they were thinking about their families and why they had to play instead of some other teams. But they did not look good. Didn't look good at all. Ingram put it in on them 31 and seven. They had six guys in double figures. And the Nuggets, man, they missed thirty one shots from three. That's a lot of threes you missing, but I mean, they just didn't get a whole lot of production out of Jokers. Jokers had 23, and outside of that, they maybe had two or three more other guys in double figures. That's the NBA on Christmas, man. You had a couple of surprises. said the Pelicans beat the Nuggets. You had the Clippers over the Lakers, man. That's the NBA on Christmas. I am your coach that knows hoops the most, and that's my NBA take for the week. So that was my NBA take. You already know how we get down, man. You're going to talk NBA. We're going to talk college. And we're going to talk high school. So now we're going to talk college, but it's a downtime in college. You get around the holidays. It's time for some teams to take some time off. It's time for some coaches to spend time with their families. You have a few holiday tournaments that's going around. A couple things that are standing out for me when it comes to college basketball is this. And I put it on my Twitter feed. The main thing for college basketball right now is this. You got some of your best players who are either hurt or not playing. Wiseman is not playing. He's, he's got an agent. He's going to the NBA. He's not playing. Cole Anthony, Cole Anthony turned his ankle, North Carolina. He's not playing. So I posed a question on my Twitter feed. Well, who's the best player in college basketball? When you have two of your stars that are no longer playing or have decided to move on, who are your best players? And The thing about college basketball this year is a lot of parity with teams, and there's a lot of parity with players, a lot of parity. So much parity that every week where someone gets ranked number one in the country, they lose. Every week, Michigan State, number one, lose. Kansas, number one, lose. North Carolina, number one, lose. I don't think North Carolina was number one. But you catch my drift. Whoever gets that number one tag, they lose that week. I don't know if I want to be ranked number one at this point. Don't rate me number one because at that point, I'm getting gunfo and I get shot. Somebody gets me. So college basketball this year, very much a parody game. And you wonder why there's a lot of parody in college basketball because the last three or four years, you've had one and dones leave every year. Every year you get 10 to 15 guys, not even 10 guys. Say if you get five guys, the last five years go one and done. That's 25 players that could have been playing in college basketball at a very high level that are not, that are not. And that's a problem. That's a problem because now it hurts college basketball. It hurts the star power in college basketball. And that's why I asked the question, who's the best player in college basketball? Because I really didn't know. Outside of Wiseman and Cole Anthony, I'm like, well, who else is left? You got Marcus Howard at Marquette who's leading the country and scoring at 26 points per game. But ain't nobody talking about him because he's 5'11". He's short. He's little. And you know these guys don't like little guys. But he's right there. And I got to thinking to myself, well, who's the best player? Well, you got Anthony Edwards who's at Georgia. Okay. Averaging nineteen a game, you got Jaden McDaniels that's at Washington, averaging about eighteen a game. But like, where the dogs at? And I'm not talking about these guys at these low majors that's putting up great numbers like uh, Javon Jackson that's at UTSA, second in the country in scoring, twenty five point eight points per game, and he's right there. But like, don't nobody know him? He ain't at a blue blood. He at the University of Texas San Antonio. And you didn't know that until I told you. So now you know. But there's a lot of parody in college basketball. So you low major teams that's playing some D2s, be very careful. Be very careful if you're scheduling this D3 that's been in the Nats championship. Be very careful, coaches. There's some players out here, and they trying to get got. So when you talk about college basketball, there's a lot of parody. There's a lot of parody. And until some of these guys decide to come back to school instead of being one and done, because now it's a, it's a young league. So, them guys going one and done and they playing in the G League. They're not making a roster. So, be sure when you go one and done, be clear that, that you're going to have the opportunity to play because, in some cases, you're not because other teams are young too. And they just drafted a young player last draft. So, why would I come in right back? and draft another young player unless there's trouble in paradise. And that's just how college basketball is right now. It's just a lot of parody going on. Uh conference is going to start off next week, so I'm looking forward to doing my podcast next week. You got a lot of conference play, you got Big 10 conference play, you got at conference play. You got teams that are ready to go at it and it starts January 4th and I'm looking forward to it. But for right now I mean, college basketball, ain't a whole lot to talk about because it's just a lot of parody going on. And you talk about the best players, Anthony Edwards from Georgia is one of the best players. Jaden McDaniels is one of the best players out of Washington. But outside of that, who who's left? Who's left? I'm not sure. I'm going to ask you guys to figure that out and then come back and tell me who's getting it done But the college basketball. It ain't much to talk about because it's the end of the year. But next week, we start conference play that's when you're going to hear a much more longer take for college basketball. But it's your coach that knows who's the most. And I'm going to holler on my college segment. It's your coach that knows who's the most. Coach Cam coming back at you with my high school 7 You know I have to talk about college for a little bit. Ain't a whole lot going on with college. Uh, like I said, a lot of lot of downtime. Here with Christmas and New Year's and New Year's Eve A lot going on, end of the year, man Last podcast of the year, baby Hopefully I can get it out before midnight So you can hear it while you're toasting And all that good stuff So we're going to talk about high school here And I had the opportunity to watch some games over the break uh, Went to the Motor City Round Ball Like I said at the beginning in the intro I took my son to the games And one of the games we watched We watched Detroit Loyola play Warren Lincoln and the one thing about these Christmas tournaments, you get the opportunity to see teams and see players and coaches you might not normally see. You get to see games you might not normally uh, see because you're out. You just you just want to go and watch some games. You're not even you know worried about who's playing or the nightcap and things of that sort. You just want to go out and watch some games. So I went out and watched a few games. And the first game I watched was Detroit Loyola. They were playing Warren Lincoln, and Loyola ended up winning by 20. Uh, Mark Mayberry, uh, Mark, yeah, Mark Mayberry Jr., uh, kid that played on our NY2LA Reese team, had 21 points. He had a good show on. Loyola played well. They played hard. Lincoln was okay. They missed a lot of layups. Uh, so did Loyola. They missed a lot of layups too. So I was able to catch that game. The game afterwards was Divine Child. They were playing Bridgeport. And the one thing about Bridgeport, when you see them on a roster for, for a classic, so a lot of times people see Bridgeport and they're like, Where's this team from? First of all, Bridgeport is outside of Saginaw. And I know that because I coast in the area. They're not just some some suburb team, like, they're a city team. So when you see Bridgeport, they're like, oh, man, um, man, who are these bums we playing? they not bums. They're not bums. They've had the last three or four years, he's won 15, 16, 17, 18 games. I want to say the year before last, he only lost three games. They came down to the PSA Holiday Classic, and they beat the Brakes off of Renaissance by like 20 or 25. Bridgeport is good. Bridgeport is good. They play hard. They scrappy. they a city team. Uh, I like I like what I saw out of Bridgeport. They, they graduated some seniors. The Garrett brothers are gone. Both of them, Trey and Mark, they're gone. And now you get to see some of these younger guys who've been watching the success of Bridgeport the last few years and what they've been doing. And I'm going to tell you this, they're going to be right there in the mix because they play so hard. I respect coaches that when you watch their high school teams, every time you see them, they play extremely hard. Bridgeport is one of those teams. They play hard. Every time you see them, they're going to play hard. They're going to play hard every single time you see this team play. And it was no mistake here at the Motor City Round Ball, which had like 20, 25 games. So I'm not even going to go into every game of the Classic. This is the 25th year they've been doing it. I'm only going to talk about the games that I went to. It's only been two or three of them. Um, but, you know, it was some really good games. like to see uh, Dakota. Dakota came out with a win over uh, Brother Rice. That was a good win for uh, Dakota. Uh Rollins came off with he had another game. He had 27. I mean, he's going to Toledo Toledo or Kent State, one of those MAC schools. Another another Michigan player going to a MAC school. They ain't in Michigan, but I digress. We're not going to talk about that no more. Uh, But Rollins is a player. He's very smooth off the ball screens. He picks his spots, got a nice floater. His three ball is coming in there. He's a good player, man. He is a very good player from Macomb, Dakota, so watch out for them. And for the night, we have Farmington and Cass Tech, so I had to go watch Cass Tech. I'm a martyr. It's my alma mater. So I got to go watch Cass Tech. And they played against Flint, Carmen Ainsworth. I don't know. I don't know why I said Farmington. Flint, Carmen Ainsworth. Carmen Ainsworth is another one of those teams like Bridgeport. Like, whenever you see them, they're going to play hard, man. They're going to play hard. I watched this team a lot. Last three or four years, they've had a couple really good guards. When I talk about Amari Duncan, when I talk about J'KB and Lewis, really, really high-level guards coming out of this program. And they got another one. His name is Jaden Nunn. Kid is a stud. Class of 2021. Really good player. Really good player. Uh, he's getting stronger. So last, last year when I saw him as a sophomore, he just looked like a really good young player. Now he looks polished. He looks polished like he's been in a weight room. He's getting Division one interest. He already got a couple offers. He's polished. And against Cast Tech, he played very well against Cast Tech. Even though both teams struggled to score I did a pull-up podcast I don't know if I'm going to drop it off and give it to y'all just yet I think I want to test the waters And with another game Here in the future in January uh, Before I do my p- pull-up podcast Because uh, it was kind of rushed And I got there and, yeah, It was just, I don't know if I'm going to do it yet But both teams struggled Both teams struggled Both teams played some zones, some man I would like to see Cass play more man-to-man defense though I would like to see him. Flint Carmen Ainsworth had an 8-10 to point lead for the majority of the game. And then the moment Cassette goes man, they make their run. It's not by mistake. Not by mistake that the moment that Cassette goes man-to-man, they make an 8-0 run in the score side or they take the lead. So it wasn't a whole lot of scoring from Tech side. Kyle Legreer was off. He was off. He was off. His shot wasn't there. Uh, Tyson Acuff, he struggled a little bit, even though he came through in the clutch to get the team to overtime. Uh, even though he couldn't win the game for Cass Tech, he kept them in it. But the guards struggled for Cass. Um, Isaiah Sanders was solid. Didn't get rid of a whole lot of production out of him, even though he just committed to Notre Dame College in Ohio. So, I mean, it was kind of an ugly game. It was kind of an ugly game. It wasn't a whole lot of shots being made. Score was in the 40s going into the fourth quarter. And I even think the final score was 54-53. It wasn't a whole lot of scoring involved. But but the big-time players, when it was time to make a big-time play, they did. Carmen Ainsworth was down three with about maybe 15 to 20 seconds left. And Jaden Nunn just, like, it's nothing. Step back, bang, tie game. Like, onions like one of those like Jaden Nun is a player the class of 2021 in michigan is very 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 good there's gonna be some guys that fall to some levels d2 d3 that shouldn't be playing d2 d3 or go at juco for another two years because they can't get uh the division one offer they're looking for or they go prep and then boom they get a division one offer within a month or two like joe moon joe moon goes prep and all of a sudden he's a division one player with well, nothing changed in six months same player basically it's just now other coaches get to see how dumb some of these coaches are because i mean i'm gonna be quite honest some of them are some of these kids they don't get noticed they don't get looks they don't get the props they deserve because some of these coaches don't know what they're doing i got a text from one of my aau dads tonight saying you know my son is just as good as some of these guys that's getting all this clout i'm like first of all just worry about your son don't worry about nobody else. You're going to get yours. I should start my own scouting service because there's for sure some players that I'm going to be telling you about that ain't none of these coaches is own and it's foolish only because somebody in their conference hasn't offered them, only because they only getting calls from a certain amount of schools. Here's how a lot of these coaches be scouting. They call up T.J. Kelly. They don't even go to the games. They just call T.J. Kelly. All right, T.J., tr- do the work for me. Send me the information on the games this past week. Instead of taking your butt to the gym like Kevin White did, like Steven Draper did, and watching games and watching these guys live and in person. You would think when you see a couple high-level players that you will see a bunch of high-level coaches, but you don't, which is so silly, so silly. Like if I'm the University of Detroit, right, and even though we're playing games over the holiday, our record is 1 in 10, our record is 1 in 10. Or two and ten, or whatever it is, they should have an assistant at every single game. Every single game. University Trader's on six mile, Ferndale is on nine mile. You mean to tell me you can't have a coach go three miles to stay all day to watch some games for three or four days and find a player or two? And then you wonder why people are upset at the Titans People are really upsetting the Titans They really are Needed to talk about that in my college segment But I didn't It's a lot of people upset by the Titans Because what they're doing is a disservice To that great legacy that Perry Watson And them guys had, the Detroit Titans they, What they're doing is is really bad, man They look very, very bad But that's, that's not my take I'm talking about some of these coaches and scouts That don't know what they're doing And I ain't talking about my guy, T.J. Kelly I ain't talking about him It ain't just him It's not just him some of these guys need to be getting looks, but then when I'm at games and I ain't seeing no coaches, I'm like, no wonder you don't know about such and such. You Twitter recruiting. You scout, you scout sheet recruiting instead of recruiting with your eyes. That's the one thing I learned when I was a college recruiter, when I was a college coach. I'm, I'm going by my two eyes. And if my two eyes doesn't think somebody can play, well, they can't play. But if my two eyes, if I see that you can play, and then I look and he ain't got no offers and I'm like, well, what's the problem? What we waiting on? But then they'll say, Well, who else has offered them? It don't matter who else has offered. Who well who's who's been calling him? Who he's getting. It don't matter. You need a big. There's a big. He can play. Get him on your campus. Simple. Get him on your team. But they don't do that. They don't recruit some of these guys because nobody else is recruiting them, which is silly. It's a kid out of, I'm telling you right now, it's a kid out of Chicago. His name is Paul Zelincas. He's one of the best six, five shooting guards in the state, and they barely talking about him. I mean, they talking about him, but he got one offer, one D2 offer. If I'm Detroit, I'm offering him in a, in a heartbeat. Because you need shooting, you need scoring. He can stand in the corner and make a couple of threes, but he can play. He'd be an all Gliak type player. Don't say nobody I said that. Paul Zalinkis, look him up. I'm tell, rolling, but bowling. I can't. I don't even remember the school they go to. But the kid can play. I know players when I see them. So, some of these guys and some of these people doing these rankings, and that's why I get a lot of people say, man, you should do your own rankings. You should do your own scout service. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. Good. I ain't got to do all that. But one, it'd take a lot of work for, to do what I am tr- would, would try to do. But for two, I'm telling you right now, some of these coaches, so I, I know a lot of people, they'll say, yeah, this, this player should have this offer and this interest And the reason why they don't Is some of these coaches They just don't know what they're doing They don't I'm just going to be quite honest with you I'm just going to keep it a buck We talking hoops podcast It's keeping it all the way a buck Some of these coaches don't know what the hell they're doing And that's that And if you get mad at it then I ain't say no names Actually I did say University Detroit I did say them Because that was pretty deliberate Because you need some Detroit people And coaches and players on that roster But you get my drift. So a guy like Blake Goodman, who's having a hell of a year at Novi Christian, should be getting some looks. He should. I don't see nobody talking about him. Now, does he go to a small school? Yeah, he goes to a small school. But Blake Goodman, and not because he's one of my players, because he is a good player. He is a very good player. I've got three or four guys on the same team that I coached in the spring. They're not getting a whole lot of looks because they don't go to the River Rouges. They don't go to Grand blank They don't go to Saginaw High. They don't go to Clarkston. You know what I'm saying? So, coaches, I'm telling you right now, you need to, you need to get off your butt, get into some of these gyms if you really want some of these players. It's just as simple as that. And I'm gonna tell you right now, Blake Goodman is, is a 6'5 guard. He can easily play in the League right now. I used to have three or four League offers. But you know, what do I know, man? I I'm just a podcast host. So going forward, uh talking about back to the Flint Carmen Ainsworth and Cast Tech game, went to overtime. A uh, kid from Carmen Ainsworth gets fouled, makes two free throws that go up. Tyson Acuff drives, gets fouled, goes to the free throw line with 2.5 seconds to go. And here's what I had an issue with. Again, 2.5 seconds to go, misses the front end of the 1-1. One one. Flint Carmen Ainsworth gets the rebound. They don't foul. They let them run the clock out. They 100% should have fouled, even if it's a second and a half left. I mean you never know what can happen in those situations, but just to let the guy run the clock out, that means for one, you don't work on those situations because I know for sure we used to work on game time. And not to say that they don't. They probably do. It's just in the moment, in those moments, you gotta know, oh, should he miss? Oh, I got a file. got a file. They don't file. Carmen Anthony's win the game fifty-four-fifty-three. And uh like I said, the the difference between the two teams was Jada Nunn made more shots than Tyson Acum. They're a big-time player, made shots, and they made free throws to win the game. Kasek did not, and Kyle Greer did not play well. So, uh, that's just a breakdown of a couple games on a Motor City Round Ball Classic. Uh, Freddie, Freddie McIntosh and Saginaw had a really good showing. Uh, they, he played really well. Grand Blank had a really good win over Chicago. Uh, Lincoln. It was a lot of players in this tournament that had some good showings, but they've been playing well the, the whole time, the whole season. Pierre Brooks he had another great showing. Uh, at the, he went crazy Hit in the PSL Holiday Classic. He went crazy. He went up for thirty two. But now, I mean, he dunking on guys on the baseline. He just picked up another offer from Arizona State. Oh, uh, he he went crazy. He went crazy on Saginaw Arthur Hill. He was catching bodies, step back threes. I mean, early season MVP, you got a few guys that are in the mix. You know what I'm saying? Like, Pierre Brooks is right there. Like, if a junior could win Mr. Basketball, he'd be getting some votes. I ain't going to say he could win it. I'm saying he would get some votes. Jaden Akins is another guy. He did not have a good showing in the Motor City round ball. He struggled. Detroit King beat them boys by a 40 ball. Omar Ziegler Jr. had a great showing. John C. Willis had a great showing for Detroit King. They scored more than 50. If King scores more than 60 points, you're in trouble. Unless you can score 60 points against man-to-man. Because they normally score about 40, 45, 50. Yeah, they they keep the scoring low. So when they score 70, somebody got, a, got, a, got it coming to them. And that's exactly what happened, with King did. Uh, to Farmington they just shut Jaden down and it happens it happens to high school players sophomores that are good juniors that are good you're gonna have off night it happens he had off night and boy did they get popped. so you had a lot of players have a lot of good games this holiday season looking forward to watching more good basketball going into the new year and before I go into the new year they had this thing talking about decade teams Teams of the decade, so I started to think about who would my all-decade team be for Michigan basketball, right? So I'm I'm thinking about teams, and I wanted to add Manny Harris, and I'm thinking, nah, I can't add Manny Harris because he was 07. I can't add Draymond, he was 08. And I'm like, well, who could I add? Who was my all? Because shouts out to the Wiz kid, my homeboy E, uh, Evan Webster he put the post on Twitter and his post was who would your all decade team be here in Michigan high school basketball? I'm like, man, that's a good question. That's something that I should talk about on the podcast. And when I started thinking about some names, I'm like, man, it's going to be a lot of names I leave off this list that were really good players. We've had some really good players come out the last 10 years. So here's my all decade team. I've got two teams on my first team. Keith Applin. Now, Keith Applin was a senior in 09. He did all of his junior where he set the scoring record in the state championship game. They won that in 08. So by schematics, senior year Keith Applin was a little bit different than junior year Keith Applin. Junior year Keith Applin was a monster. Senior year Keith Applin was a monster too, but everybody knew it. So, they just didn't win it. They ended up losing to Detroit Demby, I believe, in a regional semifinal. Not quite sure on that. Got to double check it. But, I mean, if I'm going to start off a list of the best players in the last decade, you have to mention Keith Applin, Detroit person. You have to. Now, we're just going off of high school. We're not going off of what they did in Michigan State. Or whatever school they went, whatever college. We get going off for strictly high school. What they did in high school. This is my list. So I'm going to start off with Keith Applin. Second player on that list is Cassius Winston. who played at the University of Detroit Jesuit. Won a state championship as a senior. And the one thing that I like about Cassius. Cassius is probably one of the best passers I've ever seen at the high school level. You can call me crazy or not. Cassius Winston had the ball on the string and he throwing full court bounce passes, one bounce. No look passes where the guy's like, oh snap. And the reason why I know a lot about Cassis Winston, they were always in our district and we couldn't beat them. We went three years, lost to UAD district final, lost to UAD district final, lost to UAD district semis. So it's just like, who's the player on all three of those teams? Oh, Cassius Winston. And if I'm going, hey, he's gotta, he's gotta be there. He has got to be there. He won a state championship. And you might say that, oh no, he still, he put in work. He put in work at UAD for four years, started for four years, won a state championship as a senior. He deserves to be on my all decade list. Number three on my list, Monte Morris. Monte Morris, Flint Beecher, 6'2 guard. He's got to be on my first team list. Reason why he won multiple state championships. Multiple. He ran through Class C like it was nothing. Ran through. Got him a couple chips out the way. So, guys that get multiple state championships are guys you have to respect. Because he put Flint Beecher on the map. He did. Monte Morris put Flint Beecher on the map. Before Monte Morris, Flint Beecher was an all right, cool, you know. They had some some players, some good players. I'm not going to disrespect Flint like that. But I'm telling you, Flint... Beecher got put on the map by Monte Morris because he took him all the way there. He won multiple championships. And when you win multiple championships, you gotta be on the list, man. Monte Morris was nasty, man. I'm talking about every time I saw Monte, he was going nuts. We played against him. He was a 15-year-old sophomore and we're playing 17 and under. And we like, man, we are not about to lose to no sophomores. (laughs) Who hit the buzzer beater to beat us? Monte Morris. 15-year-old sophomore. I'm like, man, that kid gonna be good. And he just kept getting better and getting better. His jump shot got better. His pace got better. I mean, he's just a really good high school player. So I'm gonna have to roll with Monte Morris on my first team. Next player on my first team, Derek Walton. Now, the thing about Derek Walton is this, didn't win a state championship. But everybody knew. When Chandler Park showed up, you knew who you was going to see. You was going to see the show, and the show was a.k.a. Derek Walton, D. Walton. You was going to see the show, and boy, oh, boy, did he put on the show 30, 40, 35, and, tw- I mean, a sense. He got the bounce. He's skipping it. Half court. I mean, like, Derek Walton would go to work. The show that him and Monte, somebody better find the film. I might find the film. The show that Monte Morris and Derrick Walton put on, Horatio Williams, tip-off classic. I forget what year it was. They went, both of them went for 30-plus. Game went down to the wire, and they were going at it. Go back and watch that film to get an opportunity to. But Derek Walt, even though he didn't win a state championship, I mean, very small, class B school in Chandler Park. He put Chandler Park right there. He met, he put them in the mix for the next couple of years just because people wanted to be involved in that kind of environment. And for a chartered school league team, I mean, he put in work. He put in work for four years there, so Derek Walton is on my list. Last on my list for my first team, Josh Jackson. Yes, I said it, Josh Jackson. And here's where I give the edge to Josh Jackson over a guy like James Young. Josh Jackson did it for two years. He did it for a freshman, and he did it for a sophomore. So the requirements for my list is that you had to have at least two very good seasons, at least two. So you couldn't just have one outstanding season and just like a subpar junior season or a subpar like you had to have like two really good seasons. You know, and Josh Jackson won the state championship as a sophomore and he dominated the sophomore his sophomore year he dominated to the point where it was like we can't stay here no more. We got to leave. We got we got to leave. Ain't enough competition here. We out. We got to go to prolific prep. This ain't going to get us there. Josh Jackson was the show. Josh Jackson was the show. As a freshman, I remember going to Southfield High, and I was watching them play against Derrick Walton. He was a freshman, and they like, man, Vince Hunter and Derrick Walton gonna go at it. But they like, man, Josh Jackson over there, you need to be what walk- you need to be going. And I'm like, man, he a freshman. He ain't about to come in and just like dominate. Like, no, no, no. He did, he did, he did. Vince Hunter became second fiddle a little bit, and Vince Hunter played in the NBA. He's playing overseas now was an all-league player at UTEP, and he was playing second fiddle to a freshman <laughs> because Josh Jackson was special, man. He was special. He's Josh Jackson in high school, right in Michigan, was everything we say about Amani now. Was, he was everything we say about he's best player since XYZ. He's gonna be a number one draft pick. That's that was Josh Jackson to us. He was he was it. He was the guy. And he backed it up. He backed it up one state title. And i got to have Josh Jackson on my list. I'm sorry. I don't care how you feel about him or his camp or any of that. Josh Jackson was a player. And, and side note, the only reason Imani Bates ain't on my first team, because he only did it for one year. He dominated 30 a game, and he was very close to being on here. Dominated as a freshman, when a Class A state title as a freshman. Can't hold that against him, but he only did it for one year, so he can't be on my list. Next, uh, second team. Second team all decade. We'll start off with E.C. Matthews, Romulus High School, 2013. Won a state title for Nate Oates. Put him on the, the coaching pedestal to, to put his feet on the back of a couple players and get a Division I job. And that's exactly what happened. He won a state title, him and, and Wes Clark. And they they had some they had some guys on that team. Um, I want to say they ended up having four or five Division I players on that team, but E.C. Matthews was the left-handed killer. Left-handed killer. 6'6". Lanky, they running dribble drive, so he hitting you with the hezzy, and then he hitting you with the pull-up, and hitting you with the three, and no jump with him, because he might, he might punch it on you, too. Like, E.C. Matthews was nasty. Ended up playing at Rhode Island. Had a very, very good career at Rhode Island. Had some injuries, and that kind of hurt his career a little bit, but in high school, Romulus was the show, man. Romulus was another one of these schools. When you saw him, you had to go see him because they didn't dodge nobody. They'd go play Persian. They'd go and play Cass. They'd go play Country Day. And they, they would have tournaments out at their place. And they had their summer league that was popping at the time. And so, like, every like Romulus, it was a light on Romulus. And there was a lot of people that said that Nate Oates couldn't coach because he had all these players and he wasn't winning until he won it in 2013. 23- 2013 was a year that changed it all for me. You can say what you want about Nate Oates. What he did with 2013, he put on a clinic. He literally put on a clinic that year. I remember them playing Persian in a quarterfinal. The score was 95, to 90, one of the best high school games I've seen in the last 10 years. score was 95 to 93, I believe. And they beat Mellon and they beat K. And they was running some stuff, man. He was calling timeouts. They running horn set flares for EC and West. And it was nothing Persian could do about it but try to score more points, and they just couldn't do it. Uh, but E.C. Matthews was the, was the monster on that team. He was the left-handed killer, and you just could not stop him. So he's first on my second team all decade is E.C. Matthews. Moving along, the next player on my list for the all-decade team is Denzel Valentine, 2011, so it fits. 2011 or 2012 one of those years in there and you'll say well Denzel Valentine was on a really good team yeah and he won back-to-back state championships which hasn't been done since guess who Draymond Green Draymond Green is 08 so he couldn't be on this list so Denzel Valentine didn't put up huge numbers he just filled up the box score but his team was so good they had three players that went division one him Brent Forbes had a guy go to Iowa I can't think of his name off the tip of my tongue uh, but the team was really good. He was the best player on the team. His brother was on the team as well. His dad was the coach. He went back-to-back back state titles. You went back-to-back back state titles, you, that puts you on the All-Decade team. It does. That's the only reason why I was even thinking about putting Doug Anderson on, Doug Anderson on here. Because they went back-to-back. Back. But I thought about him like Doug Anderson was like 22-7. Like, ah... Uh, I could have put Doug Anderson on here, but when you think of Doug Anderson, you think about the dunk clinic he put on at UAD. You really don't think Kalamazoo Central, even though he was just, he would just jump out the gym. But Denzel Valentine, Lanson Sexton, back-to-back state championships. Yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be on the all decade team. You got to. Next on my next person on my list is called Buckets. Your nickname is Buckets. You gotta be on my list, man. Dude, nickname was Buckets. Buckets, La Dante hitting. Man, LaDante Hidden was a flat out B-U-C-K-E-T buckets, Like my son says when he makes a shot, he say buckets, Daddy, Daddy buckets. That was LaDante Hidden an on the Lancet Eastern. He was just a bucket, man. He was a flat-out bucket. Seriously. He was just a bucket. There was no way you could stop him. Offensive rebounds, threes, free throws, layups, dumps you name it. He was getting you a bucket. He was giving you 20-plus every single game. He giving you 20-plus and a highlight dunk every single time he stepped on the floor. And he did the same thing when he goes out to Providence. So, your nickname is Buckets. You got to be on the All-Decade team, even though it's the second. It was, he was really close to me putting him on the first team. Really close to me putting LaDante hitting on the first team. But... You know, it is what it is. Next two players on my list. I'm going to end my second team off with Kay Felder and Mo Jones. Now, I'm not talking about what these guys did in college. Okay? So, when you think of Kay Felder, you think Oakland Grizzlies. All right? You think about his time with the Pistons, time with the Bulls, playing in the NBA. Okay? I'm talking about Kay Felder, left-handed pull-up coming off the left wing at Persian 7 Mile and Ryan K. Felder. Kay Felder was nasty. Now, I can easily do this as a duo and say Kay Felder and Martez Walker, who I just by chance saw tonight, who's doing well overseas, playing on the same team as his high school teammate, Sharon Dorsey Walker. Shout out to them. But Kay Felder was a killer. I could easily could have said Martez Walker because Martez Walker was a walking bucket, too. He was every bit of 25, 30. He had a couple games of 40 and 45. So I, you might as well just say Kay Felder slash Martez Walker because they were a duo. And to watch that duo go against Wes Clark and E.C. Matthews, best high school game, like I said, best high school game I've seen in the last 10 years, those two guys were killers. All right, so I, I might as well – I'm, I'm going to go – I'm going to roll with that. I'm going to roll with Kay Felder and Slash Mellon because them two guys was just – they was on another level. They was on another level, and they went on the roll. I, I want to say they won the city championship one year, either their junior year or their senior year. One of those two years, they won to the city championship. Uh, City Championship, but K. Felder diverse, de- uh, deserves to be on the list. And Maurice Jones Cooper, oh my goodness, Arthur Hill, every time he played, he was a show. You would see this little guy, and you'd be like, hey man, how's this little guy getting 40 on people? And you just could not stay in front of him. You couldn't... I remember him playing Cody at North Farmington, and he might have had 45 points, and it was just... It was so easy because they couldn't stay in front of him. And then he would pull up two steps inside. you like, why do pull it from the, ooh, dang, he just pulled up from the hash? Maurice Jones was nasty. He was nasty in high school. He was nasty in college. He nasty as a pro playing in Canada. I mean, Maurice Jones, he has to be on this list because being a little guard, you have to be special. You have to be so special that when people lead a game, they like, man, dog, I ain't seen a player like that. The the show that Maurice Jones put on his senior year in the State of Michigan was very much worthy to be on this list because he was a showman in the B5857 and be doing the stuff that he was doing, trying to dunk on people. Yeah, he had a couple games. You see him, he like, oh, he got bounced too? Like, he's trying to dunk? Like what? Yeah, yeah. Mo Jones, he was. <laughs> Mo was a killer, man. But yeah, man. Mo Jones was an absolute killer in high school. So that's my first team. That's my second team. You can mix and match some of these guys. Um really was just gonna do a top ten instead of a first team, second team. But you yeah, say, you know what? Whatever. So I still gotta add an honorable mention. I'm gonna talk about a few guys that could have easily made this list and not a whole lot, maybe about nine or ten guys. Doug Anderson, uh, Kalamazoo Central, he could, he might be able to take a guy off for two. Ray McCallum is a guy from Indiana, played two years in Michigan, junior year was I right. his senior year he was killing. So he could have made the list. Devin Long, Detroit Crockett, very was a big, big bucket. He's probably one of the top ten bigs the last 10 years, for sure. Devin Long. Oh, my goodness. Devin Long was just a big freaking load. Uh, Justin Tillman. Justin Tillman, Detroit Persian. He could have been there. Uh, Edmund Sumner, he won a state championship at Detroit Country Day. He could have been there. Daryl Davis, Baby D. You, you, you might be able to fit this guy on the list. Baby D, was, he, was, he was gross, man. Baby D, was he was that deal. Baby D was that deal. Uh, Wes Clark Rhymelis, he could have made the list. James Young. The only reason why James Young isn't on my list because he only did it one year, but his one year was 27 and 16. He was putting up some loud numbers, some really loud numbers. So that's the reason why um, he wasn't on the list really because he only did it for a year. And Amir Williams. Amir Williams had a really good career at Detroit Country Day and ended up playing at Ohio State. So could have made the list, didn't make the list. If I'm going position, position, and I had to pick a big I might have had to pick Amir because Amir was a really good 6'9", 6'10", player inside and out, uh, mostly inside um, for Detroit Country Day. And he was one of the reasons why they won a state championship uh, while he was there. So that's my all-decade team. And if you disagree with it, tweet me out, shout me out. Say, Coach Cam, why in the world you got? And I'm going to back it up. I'm standing by the only person you might have an issue with is maybe Denzel Valentine. But I'm telling you, Denzel Valentine wants state, back-to-back state championships. So it's like, well, how, can, how can you not have him on there? So, so yeah, that's my list, man. Hope you liked it. Like like Santa, check it twice. If it's nice, come holler at me, man. But it's your coach that knows who the most. And we talking hoops. And I'm going to at you, 2019. And that's it, man. 2019 has been a great year. Lots of ups, lots and downs. Like to shout out everybody that's been following the podcast. I'm gonna drop it at midnight. Hopefully, if I get home in time to do so. So shout out for people that's that's bringing in 2020 with me. I got some things on the horizon, like the sunshine shining in the west. I got some things brewing, like a nice craft beer. It's coming for you, man. I got some stuff in the works. So stay stay on this roll with me. Follow keep following the podcast. Gonna have more podcast pull ups. I have more videos for you guys. More, more, and more is coming in 2020. Happy New Year to you guys. I wish you nothing but the best, prosperity, and all of that good stuff in 2020. We're leaving all the bad and the negative in 2019. But it's your coach that knows hoops the most. I'm a to shoe at you, and I'm going to holler at 2019. And I'm going to see y'all in 2020 he's that dude too cool so smooth with the hoop moves every week we talking hoops this is season two so buckle up for this ride that's what you need to do because we talking hoops yeah